I'm here to recap Wrestle Kingdom 13, The Aftermath, New Year's Dash, everything going on with New Japan Pro Wrestling, giving you guys the lowdown on All Elite Wrestling AEW on the first day, first night of the NFL playoffs for 2018, technically 2019. Houston Texans just had a major choke job against the Colts who go in as a dangerous six seed against the number one seed Chiefs next week. But we're here to talk about some pro wrestling. We're also going to talk a little bit about WWE Royal Rumble. And as we stream this live, we're going to be answering some of your questions live on the air. Just want to send a special shout out real quick to our contributor, Scott Anderson, Alan Wu, always doing a great job for us. And of course, all of you who have been supporting us. This is episode six of the Sports Courier podcast, originally airing on January 5th, 2019. Hard to believe. Already five days into the new year, and we have some major, major news. Now, you may have seen my breaking news live stream at like 4 a.m. at uh, New Year's Day. Not New Year's Eve, yeah, New Year's Day, which is crazy. And the reason I went live during that time is because it was confirmed by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks on their hit show Being Elite on YouTube that All Elite Wrestling, AEW, is a thing, and we now have more details. Let's... First things first, though, let's walk you guys through the whole timeline and everything else because I think some people are a little confused. Some people have been blowing me up saying, Fred, you know, like, when did this come about? Is this something new? Because you got to remember something. Not everybody lives on YouTube. Not everybody reads the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Uh, You know, not everybody is, is paying attention to this, that, and the other thing. So it's good to kind of brush up everybody on what's been going on. So, to the best of my recollection, and I believe this was back in October, SCS Scoops, uh, Sports Entertainment Scoops, the web, long-time wrestling news website, they had reported that AEW, or, or some type of promotion, I don't think it was named yet, uh, was looked to be getting started with the affiliation of Jim Ross and Chris Jericho. I don't believe the Jacksonville Jaguars' ownership was linked to the promotion at the time, but I do recall Jim Ross and Y2J Chris Jericho being linked to the promotion. Fast forward a, a few weeks later, Dave Meltzer, who is some people know is very close to Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Cody Rhodes, reported that, hey, all elite wrestling could be a thing. I mean, there's trademarks filed. There, there's rumors that Tony Khan, the current head of analytics and part owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, son of the majority owner Shahid Khan, could be involved. I believe he also is the owner of Tottenham FC. He's a longtime executive, been doing his thing, and a huge wrestling fan. I don't know if he's been subscribed to newsletters and whatnot, but I would assume if he's a fan of the Elite and was in attendance for All In, that he's probably a pretty smart fan, a guy that reads a lot of these websites and obviously has a lot of knowledgeable people around him. So then Raja.com reports that Tony Khan is officially going to be the president of the company. He's going to be fronting, give or take, about $100 million there. Now, now some people may say, whoa, 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 that's insane money. That's still considerably less money than running a football team or an American football team, first and foremost. Uh, Second of all, this tells me that this guy is a smart dude because he realizes getting into pro wrestling, at least initially, especially when you are competing with WWE, whether you want to compete with them or not, at this level, is a money-losing venture. But I mean, a real money-losing venture, especially with all these contracts and no TV deals in place yet, and 
You, you still don't know if they're going to get additional funding, if he's going to try to raise money, find investors. The Khan family is considerably richer than the McMahon family and WWE as a whole. But whether or not they want to put a majority of that fortune on the line for pro wrestling is another story. And who could blame them if they don't want to? I mean, most NFL owners, if you really think about it, the NFL team is really not their primary business. It's something else. Johnson family with the Jets. Johnson and Johnson. That dwarfs whatever priorities they have with the New York football Jets, just to give you that as an example. So as far as who we know is signed, I'll get to more of the details in a second once I recap. What we know so far, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, Hangman Adam Page, Brandy Rhodes, Cody's wife, Mrs. Matt Massey, a.k.a. Uh, Dana Massey, who, who's uh, Matt Jackson's wife. She's been the head of merchandise for the Young Bucks, the elite, the, the Bullet Club, at least the, you know, American, uh, the American team of it. And she is going to, to be signing on, I guess, as... Uh, a director of marketing, director of merchandising. She's done a phenomenal job with, with, with the Young Bucks and, and with Cody Rhodes and all these guys. And, you know, from understand too, Brandy's not just going to be signed on as a performer, but I would imagine she's certainly going to have a say creatively because Cody Rhodes has talked about it before in interviews. His wife, Brandy, isn't just a pretty face. She's obviously a very talented manager. She's worked hard to get better in the ring. She was a damn good ring announcer in WWE. But she's also somebody that's helped Cody Rhodes negotiate, especially when he initially came on the Indies. And he talked about how she's kind of more business savvy than he is. So that's uh, some certain real relationship goals if you can find them. Uh, Kenny Omega's future at the moment is uncertain. So he dropped the title, spoiler alert, to Hiroshi Tanahashi in a classic match in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 13. We don't know where the hell he's going from here. Dave Meltzer reports that he's got a great offer from WWE. He could go to AEW. He could just stick full-time with New Japan Pro Wrestling. There are reports that AEW wants to have a partnership, a compromise with New Japan. But there's a little problem there, and it's by the name of Ring of Honor. Now, Ring of Honor at the moment, unfortunately, seems to be the odd man out in this whole ordeal because the Bucks, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, all these guys, most of that, think about this. Cody Rhodes, Young Bucks, technically were ROH guys, also with New Japan Pro Wrestling, but they are mainly considered, I think, under contract ROH guys. Kenny Omega, he had a few appearances for ROH, technically considered a New Japan guy. Hangman Adam Page, homegrown ROH superstar. All those guys, starting with AEW or not, whether Kenny goes to AEW or, or, um, or New Japan or WWE, are no longer going to be affiliated with ROH for the most part. Unless they can come to some compromise. Now, perhaps in Tokyo, with all the parties involved, happen to be there in in Tokyo for for Wrestle Kingdom, maybe they were able to work something out. We just don't know it yet. But I I could see New Japan going one of two ways. I could see them saying, you know what? We'll link up with AEW. Because at the end of the day, we don't want to lose Kenny Omega. He is very valuable to our Western expansion. And he's one of the biggest stars we have in Japan. Hell, the guy's practically Japanese. He's lived there for a while. He considers himself a Japanese wrestler. He wrestles a Japanese style. It wouldn't make sense for him to stay with New Japan. But there's the other side of things where New Japan might say, you know what? Ring of Honor has been loyal to us from the get-go. They've always been accommodating. They helped us book MSG. We're doing our thing with them. They've been a big help in our Western expansion. They need us, but we need them to some extent. Why not keep working together? And I don't know if Ring of Honor's 
going to want to play second fiddle to AEW, and in some ways, nationally, third fiddle or fourth fiddle. Think about that. New Japan now, expanding to the U.S., by default, I think, makes it the number two promotion in North America. You can make the argument, no, because it's technically still a Japanese promotion. Whatever. Okay. Semantics. So who would be number two then? Chances are, with the star power of Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Heyman Page, the, the Elite, and perhaps Chris Jericho and Jim Ross, is AEW. Coming out of the ashes. Coming out of the blue. To some people, coming out of nowhere. Where does that leave ROH? At the very least, number three. New Japan, if you want to consider them number two promotion in the U.S., at the very least, ROH is number four. Despite being in existence for 16-plus years with TV, with strong ownership. That is saying something. Now, there could be one of two ways ROH goes about this. ROH, or more accurately, its parent company, could say, you know what? We've made some money here. We've grown this company. We've created a lot of stars who are in WWE right now. We have a very valuable tape library. I'm sure the trademarks are valuable too. Let's sell this thing, which, oh, by the way, a couple years ago, Pro Wrestling Sheet reported that Sinclair actually was thinking about selling ROH. And if you're Sinclair and you're looking to expand and spread some creepy messages uh, th- that are very political for a news organization, hey, wrestling might be the least of your priorities right now. Maybe you want to look to expand. Now, that could change or may have changed because they weren't able to merge with Tribune Broadcasting. The government stepped in there. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, Sinclair does have a very close relationship with the president. Vince McMahon does have a very close relationship with the president. Could Sinclair make a deal with Vince McMahon? Perhaps they could. Or they could go the other way, and this could lead to whoever oversees ROH and Sinclair Corporate having a fire lit up their asses and saying, you know what? Have this, man. We don't want to be number three to freaking AEW. We don't want to be number four behind a new promotion in our own partner. Okay? We want to at least be number two. We got money. We got talent. We've done it before. Let's freaking do this. And I hope the latter occurs. And I think the latter might occur because they apparently offered decent money to PCO, to Brody King, to Bandito, who they've brought in. And from what I understand, all three, well, two of those guys, PCO's a little old, had interest from WWE. And they chose ROH. Now, I'm assuming that means, at least in the short term, ROH is providing more money. So if you're a free agent right now in pro wrestling, this is a good time, if you're talented. If you're talented, if you can generate some buzz, this is a real good time, because there's NXT, there's NXT UK, and they may use non-UK talent, and they have lately with Deanna Perrazzo and and some other people, and actually, Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm aren't even from the UK. So, yeah, they could use non-UK talent on NXT UK. Of course, you got SmackDown and Raw. SmackDown's going to need some new, fresh talent with it going to Fox this year. And then, of course, you have MLW, which isn't paying as much as some of these other groups, but does have good TV, does have good exposure, and they're doing a really good job building up characters. So if you're a young wrestler that can afford to maybe not make as much money short-term, but long-term build up your character, generate some buzz, MLW may be a good place to hit up, run by Court Bauer, especially with his podcast network and the way they've really handled their social media approach. Of course, there's New Japan, which is going to want to replenish the talent, but they have a lot of great homegrown talent as well, and they're elevating guys like Juice Robinson and, and Jay White. 
I mean, there's a lot of places to work. And AEW, make no mistake about it, just because they have the elite, or at least most of the elite other than Kenny Omega at the moment, they're still going to need talent. They're still going to need heels. And while being the elite is a great show, and I think All In showed that you can build up a show, a major show, with, with just internet marketing for the most part, I do think long-term, if they want to get a return on investment, especially a $100 million investment, you need to have either a major TV platform, which Dave Meltzer reports that that is the case, that they may be getting offered deals with you know different companies and things like that, and they're strong deals. Or you could take the other route, partner with YouTube, and be one of the shows that YouTube actually promotes under its YouTube Red platform. That would be awesome because you could still promote being the elite. It's a wildly successful show online. And then you could have the weekly show on YouTube and maybe some additional content behind YouTube's paywall. You could do Netflix, although Netflix doesn't seem to be in the business of streaming anything live, per se. Amazon. Amazon's done some live streaming with the NFL. You could do that as well. Hulu. Hulu, of course, does live broadcasting and has their own cable platform. So if you go to one of the big four streaming services, I think with the right promotion, with the right financial backing, with the right marketing, that could be just as successful, if not more, than a traditional network. Now, let's just say AEW is able to get a deal with TBS, TNT, throwing back to the days of WCW in the 90s, especially during the hot period of the Monday Night Wars, then I'd say that combined with the already social savviness of the elite could be a game changer. But that all, of course, remains to be seen. And yeah, Goldberg, rumored to be in negotiations with AEW. He's a little on the old side, but short term, you may need a guy like Goldberg. Long term, I think you could use a guy like Chris Jericho who still has a pep in his step. And as long as you don't use him all the time, uh, I think he's a great attraction. Kenny Omega, if you, if you signed up, I wouldn't even use him all the time if you're AEW. Use him on some big shows. Have him go back and forth in New Japan. That'd be great. I'd say a backup plan, if AEW can't get a talent exchange with New Japan, would be DDT, which is a smaller Japanese promotion, but one that produced the likes of Kenny Omega. He had great success there. Kota Ibushi. Pretty much the birthplace of the Golden Lovers, you know, who are maybe the best tag team in the world right now, other than the, the Bucks, the Bar, and a, and a couple other guys. So they could partner with DDT. It's not as sexy of a name compared to New Japan, but they do have some really good talent, and it would allow them to still work with Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi. You could also maybe partner with AAA in Mexico. Maybe they could partner with some UK promotions. Make no mistake about it. There's definitely some indies that are being left out in the UK when it comes to using UK talent because Pete Dunne, Tower Bate, and a number of other guys are now restricted by their NXT UK contracts. So, yeah, a whole lot going on right now. Oof, okay, let's get to some questions here while we're at it. Scott Anderson says, hey, Fred, I'm sorry I couldn't make the show. I'm dealing with a sick baby. Well, I hope your daughter feels better, Scott. You're the man. Love you like a brother. And uh, yeah, keep, keep me posted on that. And oh, God, he's asking me about the, my thoughts on the disgusting video making rounds on the internet of Priscilla Kelly. Well, then, uh, for those that don't know, and I just saw this maybe like 15, 20 minutes ago. Oh, okay. Uh, how do I describe this without getting grossed out? Because I just ate dinner. So Priscilla Kelly, who's a, you know one of the b- better uh, women performers on, on the indies today. You know, I've seen a few of her matches, and you know, I've liked what I've seen so far. And 
you know, it's, a lot, a lot of people tend to like her uh, online for her looks and whatnot, based on what I've seen on my Twitter feed today. Uh, how do I say this? She went down. Okay, you know how Joey Ryan either you know goes down his pants and takes a lollipop and then puts the lollipop in a person's mouth, or he'll take somebody's hand and put it down his pants. And full disclosure, I got nothing against Joey Ryan personally. I'm happy he's getting booked and making money. I have never been a fan of the the penis gimmick and any of that stuff. I did not like it at all. At all in. Okay, I, I just, it's not my cup of tea. If you guys like it, that's cool. I'm all for adult humor. I really, trust me, I really am. But I, I've never liked that. I've always thought it was campy and just really low brow. And, ugh, yeah, I, I think I've been pretty consistent with that when it comes to WWE 2 and their, uh, you know, poo poo jokes and all that crap. Anyway, long story short, I don't want to gross myself out. She pulled a tampon out and she rubbed some woman's face with it. And Gail Kim expressed her dismay, women's wrestling legend, currently with Impact Wrestling. Uh, I certainly express my dismay with it. Look, I'm equal opportunity critic here. You know, I don't like when Joey Ryan does that stuff. I, I didn't like it when Priscilla did that stuff. But if you thought it was entertaining and original, God bless you. That's awesome. But me, no, nah, I, I just, no. In terms of like, on a scale of like Rikishi stink face to Joey Ryan, uh, I'm, I'm more of like a, a Rikishi stink face guy, you know? Never go, never, never go full Joey Ryan. And I, I guess she did, and, and then some. So that was pretty gross. Um, ugh. Ugh. Some people are asking me, well, women should be signed by AEW. Hey, Priscilla Kelly's really talented. I just don't need to see her doing that. It's kind of kind of gross. Okay, as far as anything else goes, AEW-wise, before we get to some of the other news, do you think they can acquire Penta Zero or Phoenix? I'm a huge fan of both guys, and uh, you know I, I like what they've done in MLW. Of course, I like they've done in uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, Alexander the Great 4K, I think they could. There were rumors that Pentagon and Phoenix, his brother, they're real-life brothers, by the way, would be going to NXT. Thank God that doesn't sound like it's the case. I feel like right now, you want to be a free agent. You want to get that money where you can. If you can get a lot of money outside of WWE right now and still build your name, you might as well do that because WWE... For the foreseeable, foreseeable future, easy for me to say, is always going to be around. Okay, you don't need to wait on. You don't need to rush to go to WWE. You can wait. Okay, especially if ROH is going to be spending money and some of these other companies that are not named WWE are going to be spending money. So Penta, Phoenix, yeah, to me those guys are no brainers. Absolutely, no brainers. Ugh. Okay, Scott says I love you, man, but watching you squirm answering my question made my day. Well. Thanks, Dick. Appreciate that. As far as any other women's wrestlers going to AEW, uh, you know, I would say Tessa Blanchard, but I don't know what her contract restrictions are. She's linked to the Access TV Women's Wrestling Group, and you know, they're going to be debuting soon, and, and they are, they're backed by major ownership. Jeannie Buss, owner of the Los Angeles Lakers. She, to me, should be at the top of my list, you know, male or female, as far as uh, prospects go, as somebody that... Hasn't gotten the most national exposure, but has a chance to be a huge star. I think Tessa Blanchard would be number one on my list. Um, as far as anybody else, I'm, I'm, bl- I'm blanking out right now. Let me let me get back. Oh, Santana Garrett. I don't know if Santana Garrett's with technically with NXT now. You know, I, I all these years for all these years I've been thinking about man Santana Garrett. She should be on TV somewhere. She should be with WWE. She should be with a regular role in ROH. Um, no, okay, so she's. She, I know she was on. Okay, she's with the uh, women women of wrestling group as well. Okay, so technically she's not with with anybody really, other than that women of wrestling group for the most part. So Santana Garrett's another one. 
uh, at the top of my list. Oh, oh Britt Baker also signed with uh, AEW. She's a really talented performer. Uh, I believe she was in the Mae Young Classic this year, and she's uh, the real-life girlfriend of Adam Cole. So for those wondering why she was doing Adam Cole mannerisms at All In, that's because her and Adam Cole are in a serious relationship, and she's very, very talented and a dentist in real life. So she's got a, a great story as well. Uh, I'll name some other people as I could think, but you know, WWE has signed so many people all over 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 these last few months. A lot of people that they barely just use, they just want to keep tabs on them, like freaking Donovan Dijak or Dijokovic or whatever the hell his damn name is. He just recently made his re-debut on NXT. This guy was on ice for a year. He has a big man who's fantastic, who's having great matches with Keith Lee and a bunch of other guys on the independents, and they signed him. I'm thinking, all right, they're going to use him in NXT. He's going to be a top guy, and he was on ice for a year. Crazy to think about. But don't be surprised if Debbie does that. They'll pluck some talent. They may give him a couple shots on NXT house shows, maybe on NXT TV once in a blue moon. But for the most part, it's not going to be a priority for them to give them something creative to do because, hey, they already got them locked down. That could change if NXT expands to two hours, goes to Fox Sports 1, which I think is a very realistic possibility. But for the time being, if you're a piece of young talent and you're someone, male or female, that has the opportunity to make some money independently and build up your name without being under Debbie's thumb, you might want to do that for now. Because again, WWE is always going to be there. It's not, this ain't like arena football in the NFL or the XFL or the Alliance of American Football or, or some crap like that, okay? There could be real money here. And if, there's, and if other groups are paying real money, maybe it's a little less, but you get more creative freedom to do what you want to do, to express yourself, to prove to yourself you could sink or swim. That might be worth it. That's what I would personally do, but hey, uh, I'm not everybody. So uh, there is that. Fred, what do you think about Kushida possibly going to WWE? Well, let's get to that because there's a lot going on as well when it comes to that whole deal. And uh, I'm not a fan of Kushida actually going to WWE. And I'll get to my reasons why in a few. So let's get to new... Actually, real quick, let's get to WWE first and foremost. Uh, Seth Rollins... He declared himself as an entrant for the Royal Rumble. Finn Balor's going to be in the Royal Rumble. As of right now, R-Truth is in the Royal Rumble at number 30 because he won the Mixed Match Challenge. And given the fact that it's mostly been a comedy tournament and he's been in comedy angles, I could see him actually losing that spot. Drew McIntyre's in it. I think he's the favorite to win. Big E, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, a new day. And uh, yes, I mentioned before, Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. In terms of the women's wrestlers, or the women's Royal Rumble, Carmella, who's still listed as number 30. She could lose that spot, obviously. Uh, the Riot Squad's in it. Natalia, Ember, Moon, Bailey. I see whoever doesn't win the SmackDown number one contenders women's match, I see winning the Royal Rumble. Now, if Carmella loses, because I think it's Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and, Car- and Carmella uh, on SmackDown this Tuesday... I don't see Carmella winning. So it would be, okay, if Becky loses, I see Becky winning the Royal Rumble. If Charlotte loses, I see Charlotte winning the Royal Rumble. Either way, I think all signs point to a triple threat with Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania 35, which presumably would be the main event because the, the women are hot right now. Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, they're clicking on all cylinders. I'm really impressed with what they're doing on the women's side. I don't know why that intensity from the recent women's storylines that logic from these recent women's storylines hasn't transferred over to the male side of things. 
Maybe because Vince McMahon isn't paying as much attention to the women. I don't know. But whatever Rousey and particularly Becky and Charlotte are doing the last couple of months, they need to be doing with the women. I mean, maybe Becky Lynch needs to be giving Seth Rollins some pointers on intensity. I don't know. They've just been clicking on all the cylinders on fire, no pun intended, for the straight fire superstar. And I'm liking that. As far as the males go, I don't care. Honestly, I really don't care. I'd rather see two hours, three hours of women's storylines, and, and nothing wrong with that at all, by the way, than, than any of the male storylines right now. Miz and Shane McMahon being a team, the best in the world, that's not doing it for me. Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar again, not doing it for me. Drew McIntyre trading wins and losses with Dolph Ziggler, not doing it for me. Really, the only male storyline right now that's really doing it for me for the most part, is AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan and anything Daniel Bryan's involved in because those guys are so freaking great. And they have the magic to overcome pretty much anything. Meanwhile, you know, I look at guys like Seth Rollins. I look at guys like Dean Ambrose. How much momentum have they lost? These guys could have been the hottest acts in your company, other than Ronda Rousey. After the, the Roman Reigns cancer announcement, it was really sad. It's real life. WWE could have said, you know what? We're going to capitalize on this, but in a somewhat tasteful way. We're going to have the Shield win the Raw Tag Team titles. We're going to have them run as hot baby faces and still sell Shield merchandise for the next couple of months. Because, oh, by the way, if you really want to support Roman, guys, I'm pretty sure he gets a cut of that Shield merchandise. That's a real way to support him as opposed to doing a tasteless storyline. And you could have had maybe Seth or Dean eliminate each other at the Royal Rumble and then maybe before Elimination, before Elimination Chamber, easy for me to say, at, during Elimination Chamber or after Elimination Chamber, you could have had Dean Ambrose turn on Seth and bada boom, bada bang, you have yourself a WrestleMania match and a strong feud for the Intercontinental Championship. Instead, you made Dean a joke again. He continues his inability, for whatever reason, to not have a good singles match Honest to God, I can't remember the last good Dean Ambrose singles match. And I'm not counting AJ Styles because everybody and their mother, even Baron Corbin, had a good match with AJ Styles at one point. Okay? Even Jinder Mahal had a good match with AJ Styles. When's the last time we've seen a really good Dean Ambrose one-on-one match? Can anybody tell me? I'm trying to think right now. Perhaps the last time he wrestled Seth, you know, in a, in a title match and on in, in SmackDown, or was it Raw one or two before the brand split? That could be the case. Um, maybe I'm being generous there. I don't. I don't know. I mean, so okay, last great or good big Dean Ambrose match one on one, not counting AJ Styles. Probably against Triple H at Roadblock. That was almost three years ago, February 2016. Since then. He's had good matches in multi-man situations. He's stood out in six-man tags with the Shield. But what has he done lately? Now, it could just be the way his matches have been laid out. It could just be the fact that I have zero interest in this character that's bragging about having to get shots in his ass because he's going to a smelly place or he's using cancer to further a feud, which isn't his fault, by the way. It's, it's Vince McMahon's fault. Just, I, I have zero interest in him. I have zero interest in him. Seth at least has had good matches this past year. Dean... Not so much. He hasn't been good on the mic. He hasn't been good in the ring. This feud sucks. Everything about this sucks. And it pisses me off because I've seen Dean Ambrose be a great promo. I've seen Dean Ambrose be a good wrestler. It can be done. It's possible. 
I've seen Seth Rollins be in good storylines and be an intense, credible, likable babyface. It can be done. And they're not doing it. And that's all I have to say about Royal Rumble. Otherwise, I'm going to explode a goddamn vein or something. Ugh. Ugh. Man. All right. Let, let's get to Wrestle Kingdom here because Lord knows that was world's better than anything WWE's been doing as of late and in recent years. So let's go over the top matches. It was headlined by Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP heavyweight title. Great freaking match. Tanahashi got the clean win via high fly, fly flow. Fantastic match overall. Kenny Omega could not hang, hit the one-winged angel finish. Great back-and-forth action. A lot of crazy moments in the match. A lot of kickouts. The, the, Tanahashi, in the build-up to this match, was criticizing Omega for his style of wrestling, and Tanahashi's more of a traditionalist. So what does Tanahashi try to do? He tries to beat Omega in his own game and go for a high-five flow frog splash through the table on the outside. Missed, crashed, and burned. There was a reverse Rana by Tanahashi at one point. He hit a Styles clash at one point. Former leader of the Bullet Club, AJ Styles. That was insane. There was a crazy, crazy dragon suplex that Kenny Omega hit on Tanahashi. Shades of his first match with Okada. But thank the Lord above that Tanahashi landed on his face. He did like a whole flip as opposed to landing on his head and neck. That would have been bad, although he could have also concussed himself. In comparison to other Tokyo Dome main events, at least in recent years, definitely up there with one of the best. I'd say it was definitely better than Okada versus Naito. I think it was... You know what? Okada and Omega, the first one, got seven stars, and everybody's like, oh my God, greatest match of all time. And look, it was a great match. But I think it's important that we appreciate the era we're living in right now with so much great talent, especially with New Japan Pro Wrestling. This could be the last time for the foreseeable future that on one show we had great talent, generationally great talent like Kenny Omega, Naito, Okada, Tanahashi, all under one one banner. Chris Jericho, Kota Ibushi, Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr., Tomohiro Ishii, Sonata is really good. Cody Rhodes is damn good. Juice Robinson's on the rise. Jay White is on the rise. Taiji Ishimori, probably one of the more underrated wrestlers of the last decade. I mean, you look at all that talent right there. The Young Bucks were one of the best tag teams of this generation. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. All that talent under one roof, under one dome, so to speak. And it could all change. It, it, it could all change. So for me, there's a part of me that was comparing this Dome show to last year and years past. And there's the other part of me that's like, what am I doing? Why, why am I comparing this to another game? It's like watching LeBron James and being amazed and saying, oh, well, you know what? That wasn't as good as 2013 LeBron James. Or, oh, Tom Brady was great, but that wasn't as great as 2007 Tom Brady when he threw for 50 touchdowns. Like, do, do most people really say that, or they just enjoy the game? I just really enjoyed this whole Tokyo Dome show, and it just I wanted to sit down and just appreciate the artistry we got, especially in the main event. Because here you have Hiroshi Tanahashi, who's 42 years old, who had a bum, shoulder, or a, a bum arm for a while. He probably has a bum shoulder, too. Uh, banged up. This guy carried New Japan Pro Wrestling with the help of Yuji Nagata and others out of the doldrums into this boom period over the last few years, since late 2011, I'd say. And here he is in a spot, and he said in his post-match promo, he never thought he'd be in again. 
winning his record eighth IWGP heavyweight title, doing the air guitar. Uh, he, he To me, he's essentially, and some people might find this blasphemous, he's a better worker than John Cena, but I think in terms of stature, he's like Japan's John Cena. He's a guy that's just so reliable, a class act, uh, you know, somebody that represents everything good about professional wrestling. And you know, I got a little emotional watch, watching that match and watching Tanahashi win and, and, and everything. And just to see Omega leave it all out there and do the honors for Tanahashi on his way out. Maybe he'll return. Maybe he won't. But just a classic... Classic match. And instead of thinking, all right, which Omega match is better? You know, the one with Okada, the second one with Okada, the third one with Okada, you know, the the, the fourth one, or, or blah, blah, blah. Why not look back and just think about the effort that Kenny Omega has put in over these last few years? Think about it. Three years ago, he stepped into AJ Styles' role as kind of the de facto leader of the Bullet Club as AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, and Shinsuke Nakamura all left to WWE. And there were real questions about whether or not Kenny Omega could be not just the leader on screen, but the leader in the ring. A guy that could not just set the bar, but be the bar. Sorry, Seamus and Cesaro. Well, he proved that he could, and then some. He's always been a good wrestler, a damn good wrestler. Uh, I think a lot of people would consider him great as well, but not a lot of people saw him. I mean, he did the indies. You know, he was a star in Japan with DDT. He had some damn good matches in his return to New Japan uh, pro wrestling in, in the you know in the 2010s, but that was a, a new role for him. Front and center, potential main eventer. Went on to win the G1. Went on to headline the Tokyo Dome. Went on to do his damn thing, being a fantastic inaugural U.S. champion. Great feud with Chris Jericho. Proved time and time again he could draw money and main event shows, even before he was world champion. Won the IWGP heavyweight title from Okada in a classic match, another classic match. Went on to be a great champion. And now, at 35 years old, he's in the driver's seat. He could get big money from AEW and a lot of creative freedom. Hey, he could get huge money from WWE and maybe not a whole lot of creative freedom. Or he could even just stick with New Japan and wrestle exclusively for them in a couple indies here and there. Whatever the case may be, I don't think there's necessarily a bad decision for him. And I'm really happy that he's been able to put himself in this position. You know, a lot of people wrote him off. Said, okay, you know, he's not AJ Styles. Yeah, he might be good, but he's not AJ Styles. It's very similar to like a young quarterback taking the reins from from a legend. You know, AJ Styles, uh, if AJ Styles is Joe Montana, you can make the argument that Kenny Omega is Steve Young. And he had to prove himself. And he's beyond proving himself. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And another thing, too, I'm tired of this whole thing where... This guy's better than this guy. This guy's better than, than that guy. Uh, I, I, in some ways, I, I like I like these debates. On the other hand, I thought about this when LeBron James said that he considers himself the greatest of all time because he beat the 73-win Warriors. Here's my thing. It's so hard to compare. And with LeBron, I don't want to insult LeBron because I think LeBron's one of the all-time greats, maybe the second best player in NBA history. But if I have to compare him to, say, Michael Jordan or a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Magic Johnson, like it's, it's tough, and it makes me almost insult him, which I don't want to do. It's not my intention to. And that's the same thing with Kenny Omega. Like, oh, is he better than Tanahashi is overall? Is he better than Okada is overall? I think we just got to appreciate the fact that these guys all got to work together all under one roof, and this may be the last time we see them all working together for quite some time. I mean, Kenny Omega, Tanahashi, Okada, Naito. I mean, these guys... These guys are the aces. Tanahashi is the ace, but all these guys are aces. And I just, 
have nothing but praise for all these dudes, uh, putting it all on the line. And I've got more praise to come because Naito defeated Chris Jericho to regain the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Great brawl. Very different from anything else on the show. I thought it was very smart because there were a lot of wrestling matches that were just straight up wrestling from bell to bell. These guys did something different. Uh, very similar to their brawl they had at Dominion last year. Similar to the Kenny Omega Chris Jericho brawl from last year's Tokyo Dome show. I think this is one of Chris Jericho's best matches ever, which is crazy to think about when the guy's like, what, 47, 48? Absolutely insane. But he wrestles in these small doses. He's always reinventing himself. I got nothing but respect for the man. And Naito got the win with not one, but two Destinos. It took two Destinos to put away Chris Jericho. We had Switchblade Jay White, who I'm not going to lie, was kind of underwhelming as United States champion when he beat Kenny Omega last year. Kind of underwhelming when he debuted a Switchblade last year at the Tokyo Dome against Tanahashi. He stepped it up here. He's stepped it up the last few months. And he pinned Okada, who came back with the old school Rainmaker entrance and trunks. He pinned Okada clean in the middle of the ring with the Blade Runner downward spiral. He had some help from Gato at times, but for the most part, it was a clean, as clean of a win as you can get for a guy that's, I guess, the new leader of the Bullet Club. And after the match, after the show, Switchboy Jay White confronted Tanahashi. So we may be getting at Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling's MSG show WrestleMania weekend. Tanahashi versus Jay White in the main event. Think about that. On one hand, I think it's way too soon. On the other hand, Gato is the same booker who pushed Okada fresh off of a terrible TNA run. When a lot of people like myself were like, wait a minute, he's talented, but why are you pushing him so quickly? And well, the rest is history. So I'm going to give the man the benefit of the doubt. But that was a huge win. All the right people, for the most part, went over. Uh, Taiji Ishimori defeated Kushida to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. The next night, Kushida also lost a New Year's Dash. It's been rumored that he's going to go to WWE. I have no idea why I'd want to go. I mean, maybe he wants you know, just to go to America, like, like Nakamura and some other guys. Maybe he wants to eventually become a citizen. Maybe he wants to make bigger money. Although I think New Japan's probably paying him pretty well right now. I don't know. I just, I've seen what they've done with Hideo Itami. I've seen what they've done with other international talent like Metalik, Akira Tozawa. Look, unless they dissolve 205 Live, which I think would be the best thing for all parties involved, because you get guys like Mustafa Ali on the main roster and contributing right away. Unless they dissolve 205 Live, I think this is kind of a bad idea for him. Maybe he could go to NXT, win the NXT title. That'd be great. But, you know, he's not as charismatic as, as Nakamura. You know, he, he doesn't have the size of a Nakamura and guys like that. People forget Nakamura's a pretty tall guy. Okay, He's a pretty big Japanese wrestler. And, you know, I think that's part of He's got charisma. He's one of the all-time greats. But I think his size and his look and how he carries himself is a lot of what made WWE want to sign him in the first place. You know, if, if he had that charisma, maybe it was Kashida's size, who knows? I don't think Nakamura would have won the Royal Rumble and had a WWE title match at, at WrestleMania. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate to think this because... At the end of the day, Kushida's his own man. He's not Nakamura. He's not this guy. He's not that guy. But I feel like with WWE creative, especially Vince McMahon, he's very close-minded with international talent. And unless, unless or any minorities, period. You know, not calling the guy a racist. But uh, if you look at the history of WWE, unless you've got a great gimmick, like you're a, an Olympian and a world's strongest man like, uh, like Mark Henry, or you're jacked as all hell, 
like Bobby Lashley with a legitimate wrestling background, or unless you could be like the New Day and over time thaw the ice that was the creative purgatory they were in. You know, it, it is tough. It's really tough to be a minority wrestler in WWE today. Now, if you're in NXT and you're under Triple H and NXT's writers who seem to be a lot more open-minded and more progressive, then yeah, that's good. If you can get lucky with the right gimmick at the right time, you know, maybe you could have a nice run. You know, but I just, I don't know. I don't see it. I, re- I really don't see a lot of success for him. I hope it works out if he does go there. But, man, I, I remember seeing Kushida at, at Ring of Honor and the, these uh, educated American fans having so much respect for him. And the same thing with Tanahashi when he came out. Like, you, you just tell a guy is respected, okay? In the ring, like, his opponents, like, you could tell, like, the guys, like, felt like it was an honor to be there with him. Kushida's one of the great workers in the business today. He has been for a while. He is the junior heavyweight ace of New Japan. And I just, I just don't have any interest in seeing him being underutilized or misused in WWE. I really don't. So if he goes there, knock on wood, it works out. I'm praying for him, but I'm not optimistic about it. I'm just not. And if this is the end of Kushida New Japan Pro Wrestling, God bless him, man. He's had a hell of a run. And, you know, I think in some ways he doesn't get enough credit. He's, he's really talented. Juice Robinson defeated Cody Rhodes in a dominant match to regain the IWGP United States Championship. Not a great match or anything, but I thought it was good for what it needed to be. There were a lot of strong matchups here. You didn't need this to be a five-star classic. You needed Juice Robinson to go over strong, especially with Cody Rhodes leaving the AEW. He was wearing the Jacksonville Jaguars colors on his trunks, as was Brandy Rhodes. And he got the win here with not one but two pulp frictions, the sw- the kill switch on prettier uh, variation that Christian used to do. Uh, the only thing I didn't really like about the match, too much interference from Brandy Rhodes. She was thrown out of, of the ring and, and thrown away from ringside, but I, I thought it was a little too much for my liking. But you know what? It was different from everything else. It had the finish that it needed, so I, I can't complain too much there. Evil and Sonata defeated the Grills of Destiny and Young Bucks to win the IWGP Tag Team Titles. A lot of action here. A really short match. I feel like the undercard matches were kind of rushed, but they got the win. They're tag team champions. Good for them. Zack Sabre Jr. And oh yeah, could be the last night for the Young Bucks in New Japan. So Young Bucks, same thing I'll say about Kushida. Thank you guys. I think they'll fare better in AEW than Kushida would in WWE. But hey, thank you guys. Nick and Matt, fantastic job in Ring of Honor and New Japan. And hopefully it won't be the last we see of them in Japan. Zack Sabre Jr., Defeated Tomohiro Ishii in a RPW British Heavyweight Championship match. He won the Rev Pro Wrestling British Heavyweight title via ref stoppage. Locked him in some wacky submission. Oh, my God. It was like an, it was like an octopus submission, like double-arm octopus, and referee had to stop it. I like referee stoppages like this. Sometimes a guy doesn't need to tap out. Sometimes, like in real life, you need to save the fighter from themselves. So, well done here. I thought this was really good, although I do think Zack Sabre Jr. needs some knee pads. Looked like he was just kind of wrestling in his underwear. He kind of was, but, you know. Shingo Takagi and Bushi of Los Ingobernables defeated Kanemaru and Desperado and Sho and Yo to win the junior heavyweight tag team titles. This was a really short match, fun while it lasted. Los Ingobernables got all the gold again, and I'm happy for him. And in the opener, match of the year candidate, Will Ospreay, who's looking to move up to heavyweight, defeated Kota Bushi to win the never openweight title. This was a dream match. Crazy match. Uh, there were a lot of high spots, a lot of flips, but 
I would say it was actually more grounded and technical than you may have thought going into it. Will Ospreay showed a more intensive side. He smashed, ugh, just smashed Kurobushi with an elbow to the back of the head. I'm assuming he was aiming for the neck, but unfortunately it looks like that elbow gave the poor guy a mild concussion. He had to be stretchered out. But Will Ospreay, he looked great here. Had a dominant victory. Extremely dominant victory. Hit the Stormbreaker. Got the clean pin. You know, he he hit he hit Kotobushi with that with that shot with the elbow, hit the stormbreaker. It was like a very methodical pin. It wasn't like it was just right away, like boom, 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 one, two, three. Like this, the Juice Robinson match, even the switchblade match a little bit. Kind of they get they gave you a little bit of time, a few seconds before the pin was counted. Just to kind of emphasize, like, okay, this is a changing of the guard here. Going into 2019, it's the year of Jay White, it's the year of Juice Robinson, and a damn sure Maybe the year of Will Ospreay, your new never open weight champion. Overall, I got to say massive thumbs up for this show. And as far as other news goes, and there's a lot of New Japan pro wrestling news uh, here. So let, let's get right to it. First of all, let's answer a, a couple quick questions here. What do you think about Hulk Hogan returning on Raw? Hulk Hogan is returning on Raw this Monday to honor me and Gene Okerlund. How could I forget? Mean Gene Okerlund passed away, legendary WWE announcer, also of WCW and AWA fame. Hard for me to say anything that hasn't already been said. Guy was a true pro, from what I understand, a very nice man. Nobody had anything bad to say about him. He was the life of the party. If you know, I know a lot of people, some indie wrestler friends that got a chance to hang out with him at shows, and he was just full of life and mentored a lot of the current WWE announcers like Charlie Caruso, Kayla Braxton, Renee Young, who was particularly close with him. And what do, you, what do you want me to say? He's, he was a staple of, of pro wrestling. You know, you know something mean, Gene. You know, or mean, woo, by God, Gene. You know, Ric Flair. I mean, he had a great relationship with Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and all these guys. He was able to make a good promo, a great promo. Unbelievable professionalism. All I can say is I hope WWE Network has posted or is posting a mean Gene collection on there because you guys got to watch some of his best interviews. Just do yourselves a favor. Forget what I have to say. Go on YouTube, type in Mean Gene Okerlund, and just watch a number of his videos, okay? All his interviews, even his shoot interviews, whatever. And you'll see why this guy was and forever will be the best to ever do it. So God bless him. May he rest in peace. My deepest condolences to his friends and family. As for Hulk Hogan appearing, you guys already know I'm not a big Hulk Hogan fan. Uh, I don't think he ever truly apologized for that N-word incident. You know, he apologized more for getting caught than saying it. Uh, but you know what? He is linked to the hip of Mean Gene's spirit. You know, I mean, there wouldn't be a Mean Gene without Hulk Hogan and vice versa in some ways. So I'm fine with it. You know, not thrilled about Hulk Hogan, but the same about Hulk Hogan. This is about Mean Gene Okerlund. So yeah, sure. I'm interested to see what he has to say. And we have scheduled for Raw Elias versus Baron Corbin. Okay. Uh, I'm not I'm not really interested in that. Um, Saturday, January 12th, we're going to have PJ Black, the former Justin Gabriel, take on Nick Aldis for the NWA world title. Cool, I guess. I don't know. It, it was, you know, I, I, I don't really feel Nick Aldis as, as NWA champion. Actually, I do. I like Nick Aldis as NWA champion. I just feel like some of the challengers they've been building for him beyond Cody Rhodes, like James Ellsworth and Billy Gunn, 
Mm, yeah, not, not so hot on that. Okay, so New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax 29, their epic uh, tournament to determine the you number know, one contender for the heavyweight title. The first show of the tournament is going to be taking place at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas on July 6th. So, so if anybody's going to Dallas that date or happens to be there in that area, you might want to check out some New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Dallas is a pretty, pretty fun city. If you go to Deep Elm, it's very similar to like Brooklyn. Uh, I dig it a lot. So that, that's kind of cool. They also sold out their show in Charlotte taking place later this year. So it's going to be very interesting. Also next year, New Year Dash, which is the kind of like their Roft WrestleMania, and Wrestle Kingdom back-to-back nights are going to be both at the Tokyo Dome, January 4th and 5th. So that's pretty freaking huge, if you ask me. The attendance of the show for Tokyo Dome, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13, over 38,000. That's huge. That is huge. So good for them. Good for New Japan doing their thing there. Uh, as far as anything else goes, New Year Dash, really nothing of note happened. Uh, the only things that really what seemed to to be set up were the Bullet Club reuniting with Chase Owens and Yujiro uh, Takahashi. So, uh, you know, there, there there's that, I guess. Juice Robinson, I guess, is going to be facing off uh, with, with Beretta down the road. Um, David Finley, I feel like that guy's criminally underrated and should be doing more than just you know, languishing in the undercard, you know, but he's, I guess, kind of a victim of, you know, New Japan in a sense that they have too much talent. And, you know, he may be a guy that I think is, is overdue for an excursion to the U.S., send him to ROH, send him to AEW, wherever. Send him somewhere, I think, that's not New Japan because he's really talented. And, yes, he is the son of the original David Fit Finley. So, uh, yeah, no no real major angles, though, uh, on, on that show, which is kind of surprising. I think the, the big... News was who was not there. None of the elite. Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, Young Bucks, Adam Page. None of them were there. So take that for what you will. But folks, I'm about to get on out of here. I would love to hear from you. What do you think about everything that's going on with AEW? What do you think about everything that's going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling and WWE? Let me know. Leave a comment below. Tweet us, Facebook us. Do what you got to do. If you enjoyed this podcast, please spread the good word by sharing this video, sharing this podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast, the audio version on soundcloud.com slash TSC News. You can subscribe on YouTube and enable notifications. You can do so the same way on Facebook. If you enable notifications, you'll get notifications of whenever we upload anything new and go live. So feel free to check all that out. Until next time, everybody, as always, woo, enjoy the matches. Rest in peace, Mean Gene Okerlund.